So let's read this together. It says this in verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man, I was about to say should social distance, but uh, that'll get me in trouble. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Let's pray, Father God, we're grateful. God, that you said you pour out your presence without limit. And God, I'm praying over those that have been followers of Christ for 40, 50, 60 years. God, I'm praying for those, God, that have been following this, this sermon for the last four or five minutes. God, that you would pour out your presence on each and every one of us, that we would experience you like never before. And God, we'll be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. We are uh, starting a brand new series today called, I Think I Like People. Keyword, think. I'm not quite sure, but I, I think I like people. And, and, and kind of the heart or the mindset behind this series is I am really concerned for you. For, for who? Yes, for you. We, we, we've been eight to nine weeks in this stay-at-home order, isolating yourself. Everybody has a face mask on. There's, there, there's more uh, hand sanitizer being spread around and gloves and all this other kind of stuff. And we're kind of in this season right now where we're told that people carry my problem that I need to make sure I avoid people at all costs because when I get close to people, I have the, the ability to catch this disease, to end up sick or whatever it may be. And, and, and I've said this before, I believe that it's important that we physically distance, that we, we flatten the curve, that we wash our hands, that we do everything physically possible to stay healthy. But I really do not like this term social distancing. I believe the term should have been physical distancing because we need to be physically separate so that we can stay healthy, but we don't need to be socially distanced because there's a value, there's a purpose, there's a, there's a quality in being connected together with each other. Here, here's the problem, Megan. Many of us were social distancing before COVID ever hit. Before we were even locked in our house or the governor said stay at home, some of you were so focused on your spouse or so focused on your kids or your career or your business or whatever it may be that you didn't have time for people before all of this. Let, let's just be honest. Some people are actually grateful that it is now illegal for me to have to spend time with you because I didn't really want to spend time with you anyway. Um, not, not you. This is, this is for, I like you, Richie. You're awesome. But this is for the message. I, you, you've been distancing long before distancing was required. You're like, that's why I'm healthy right now because I didn't mess with none of these people anyway. But, but here's the problem that many of us don't truly believe that relationships are vital to us maximizing this life that God's given us. 
Many of us actually believe I could do it on my own. I don't actually need people as long as I got me and my friend. It's me and my girlfriend. What's that? You could, somebody said that, Pastor, we could tell when you got saved because you only know ratchet music from like the 90s. <laughs> but so many of us think as long as I got, got my wife or my husband or my boyfriend or my girlfriend, as long as it's me and my kids, as long as my family is taken care of, we're good. As long as we're good, anything else doesn't really matter. Hear me, you will never maximize your life. You'll never maximize the impact that you can make. You'll never maximize your faith. You'll never maximize your income. You'll never maximize your talent, your ability. You won't maximize anything that you have without relationships, not just family members, but relationships in your life, people that are challenging you to become the best that God has created you to be. Most people cannot say outside of their spouse that they have three deep relationships with people that are challenging them to become God's best. Now, you may say, Pastor, you got me wrong because I got three friends. We've been together since middle school. Like, I got my crew. But don't forget that part that are challenging you to become God's best. You, you may have three close relationships, but when you add the challenge, you become God's best, it just, it drops some, some names off the list. Next week, I'm going to preach a message about how do I actually develop a deep relationship. I have a whole lot of people in my life, but I can't say I have any deep relationships outside of maybe family or my spouse. I'm going to teach you next week how to develop a deep relationship. But today, I want to preach a message called, Do I Really Need people. Do I really need people? And here's why. I'm, I'm going to teach you next week how to develop a deep relationship, but, but let me just spill the beans for next week. Developing deep relationships take work. It, it doesn't just happen. You don't just stumble into people that are loyal to you and you're loyal to them. It takes work to build those types of relationships. And if you don't see those relationships as integral to you maximizing all that God has for you, you're not going to be willing to put in the work. So my goal today is to convince y'all that you can't make it. You can't even tie your shoe without the right people in your life that are pushing you and motivating you to become God's best. In this passage that we read in Genesis chapter 2, there's certain verses, certain passages that are just quoted over and over and over. And this is that, that, that marriage verse where people say, it is not good for man to be alone. God created the earth and all the animals and Adam in the garden. And then he looked at Adam and he said, something is wrong. It's not good for this brother to be be by himself. I don't know if it was like the seventh day he ate ramen noodles and they said, we got to help this guy out because he's going to starve to death if he's by himself. I don't know if Adam had taken one ladder and put it on another ladder and a third ladder trying to reach something. And God was like, this guy is going to kill himself if we don't bring some common sense into the earth. I don't know what was going on, but God says it is not good for Adam to be alone. And then watch this. He says, I'm going to make a helper that is comparable to him. He said, I'm gonna make a helper that is comparable to him. The purpose of Eve was to help Adam. She was a helpmate. Now, now here's the problem, or here's my question. God says that Eve is a helpmate, that her job was to help Adam. Well, what did Adam need help with? Well, what, what was the problem that Eve was created 
to fix. I mean, many people, when they think about, man, you, you, you need a spouse, they're thinking this whole, you know, I'm trying to build my empire. You know, I need my Bonnie and Clyde, that person that's down, that, that person that's ambitious and all that, and we're going to build this kingdom or whatever it may be. But here's the thing. I don't think the problem that Eve was created for was to help Adam become more effective at work. If you read the passage, Adam didn't have any trouble naming those animals. He wasn't looking at the animals saying, I don't know what to name this. What do I call this? I wish I had somebody to help me give me ideas. No, no. Adam was fine doing the work by himself. He didn't need Eve to help him build an empire. So, so what, 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 what was her purpose? What was she there to help him? But here's the problem that God was trying to fix. He was trying to fix Adam's isolation. He was looking at Adam, and here's the problem. It's not good that Adam is by himself. I need somebody to help him so that he wouldn't be by himself. Hear me, Eve was there to help Adam build a community. Eve was there to help Adam build mankind. One of the problems that we find or that we feel is, is that the purpose of my spouse is to complete me. God, God, God's created my spouse, that, 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 that they're the one that's going to complete me and make me feel some of y'all, and I'm going to free some of y'all. I promise you nobody paid me to preach this message, but I'm going to help some of y'all out. Some of you think that you're the only thing that your spouse needs. Your spouse doesn't need any friends, any relationships outside of you. Why, why would you need to have any other friends? You have me. Hear me. God did not create one human being to complete you. Adam didn't come to be the fulfillment, or Eve didn't come to be the fulfillment of Adam. Eve came to help Adam build mankind, to build community. On the inverse of that, some of you who are single, you're waiting for your spouse to feel complete. You're just like, man, if I, if I was just found somebody to date, if I just found somebody to be married, I'd feel whole, I'd feel complete, I'd be happy. You are setting yourself up for some major disappointment because God never created another human being to complete. You, you want to be miserable in marriage from day one? Expect your spouse, you're about to get married. This is a good marriage counseling right now. Expect Sierra to be your one and all and you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. You ain't going to do that, though. God didn't create another human being to complete. It wasn't Eve's job to complete Adam. It was her job to help Adam build mankind, to build human, to ensure that Adam would never be isolated. Let me say it real slow. Let me say it real simple. You will never be fulfilled. You'll never maximize your potential without key relationships in your life. I'm a, I'm a mess with y'all. Yeah, so play it. I don't know if you can play it. You got to sing it though. You know, as long as I got King Jesus, long as I got King Jesus, long, long, long as I got King Don't need nobody else. No doctor, no lawyer, no preacher, no teacher. Okay, don't play it. <laughs> yeah, you, it sounds good. <laughs> And I really love the person who sang it, <laughs> but it's not true. Can, can, I, can I mess with y'all? When God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for him to be alone, God was there. And he still said Adam needed more. This will mess with you. A relationship with God is not enough for you to maximize every area of your life. For some reason, God created us 
to be motivated, to be inspired, to be built up by the community that is around us. And if you find yourself isolated, you're going to find yourself missing out on all. Think about it. Even God isn't by himself. Yeah, we serve one God, but, but he presents himself in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We were made in the image of God. You were made for relationship. So, so here's what I want to do over these next few weeks. I'm going to just make it real plain. I'm going to prepare you to come out your house. <laughs> Some of y'all sitting up in that house, about, I don't care what this governor says. I ain't coming out there. I ain't coming out. Y'all go ahead. I'm just going to stay here, homeschool my 22-year-old child. We're just going to stay right here, and, and I'll come out when Jesus comes back. No, you need, to, you need to physically distance, but you need to find value in relationships. I can't say this anymore plainly because your destiny depends on it. First thing I want you to write down this, relationships are operational, not optional. Relationships are operational, not optional. What do I mean by that? In the same way that a car cannot operate without gasoline or diesel, your life cannot operate without meaningful relationships. It's not optional. It's not like, man, having friends and family and companions and mentors and all this. The, those are nice icings on the cake, but as long as I got my career going and, I, and I'm married, no, 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 it's not optional. It's key to you operating, maximizing all that God's placed inside of you. I have two kids. My oldest is Zoe. Uh, she's three, about to turn four. And then, then my second is Roman. And, and, and both of them, when they were born, if, if you've been in a delivery room, uh, bless God. Uh, amen. I'll, I'll just leave that story right there. I remember when my son Roman w was born, and, and we're in the delivery room. And, and I don't know if you think this is funny. I think this is funny. Y'all, I nearly passed out. Like, it was not good at all. They're, they're in there. The doctor's talking to my wife's eye, and, and, and she's saying, hold your breath breath and push. And I so, this is going to give me trouble, I so wanted her to hold her breath and push that I was holding my breath for her. So I wasn't breathing. I was just like, I was trying to be the best support I possibly could. And thanks be to God, I did not pass out. I kept my feet and, and my son Roman came out and the doctor's like, do you want to cut the umbilical cord? I'm like, nah, you go ahead. I'm going to sit down over here. I just need a moment. My, the whole room is spinning and I'm trying to get oxygen. And when I kindly finally came back to, uh, I, I see my son Roman and, and, and they had taken him, they had wiped him off really quickly and they put him on my wife's chest. Those of you in the medical community, or if you've had a child recently, you know, they call it skin to skin. And they said it's so vital that a baby is, is laid on the chest of their parents within minutes and, and, and hours and, and laid on Zai for a little bit and they clean him up and all that. And then about an hour later, they said, hey, Stephen, take your shirt off. And I was like, you okay? I've been working out. I'm ready for this. That's a lie. <laughs> they put him in and they said, just have him lay there. And, and here's what is mind-blowing. They discovered that the physical touch of, of a parent to their child in the first moments of that child's life determines the health, the strength of that child's immune system, their sleep patterns for years to come. They've discovered that that physical touch actually activates a part in the baby's brain that desires that baby to eat, to be able to emotionally and physically connect with other people. Science has proved, I love when science backs up God's word. 
that literally the connection with another human being dictates the health of that child, both emotionally and physically. Listen to me, being around, having relationships with other people is not an option. It is a necessity for you to maximize all that God's called you to be. I, I was reading some different studies, and, and I like this one. They said you'll make more money if you have physical relationships, that if you have encouragement and, and, and motivation from other people. They, they did a study, watch this, according to research conducted by the University of North Carolina, women who receive more hugs from their partners have lower heart rates and blood pressure. Hugs strengthen the immune system. The gentle pressure on the sternum and the emotional charge that creates activities to the solar plexus, cochra, I don't know what in the world that is. <laughs> this stimulates the thymus gland, which regulates and balances the body's production of white blood cells, which keeps you healthy and disease-free. Y'all, that's from a hug. They said if, if, if you have regular physical touch, that it literally relieves stress, it brings you to a place of peace, and you're able to produce better at, at work, on your job, your income will increase. They discovered that, listen, your future depends on the relationships that you have in your life. You know what blows my mind? Here is Jesus hanging on the cross, getting ready to die for the sins of the world. And his concern was to make sure that his mother had the right relationships in her life. In John chapter 19, verse 26, it says this, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Jesus knew that he was going away, but that his mother still needed a son. She said, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Hear me. God created you to be in relationship. Let's talk a little bit. Because just because you have the same last name doesn't mean you're in relationship. Just because you've been friends since elementary school or middle school doesn't mean you're in relationship. What's required for a relationship? I'll give you a couple of things. First thing is this, affection is required for a relationship. You need somebody that, that, that is physically affectionate, that is verbally affectionate, that's building you up, that's affirming you, that's encouraging you, that loves you and expresses that love. You need empathy for it to be a real relationship. What is that? I actually care about what you care about. I'm interested in you. I want to know what your goals, what your dreams, what your fears, what your aspirations are, and I'm going to speak into it or just be a listening ear. Integrity is needed for a real relationship. What does that mean? Can I trust you? Is you a liar? <laughs> or do you, you ever, you ever like this, just thinking something that you wanted to tell a friend, but then you realize if I tell that friend and I tell them not to tell anybody, don't tell anybody means they're going to tell three other people? <laughs> don't tell anybody when I say I'm not going to tell what I mean is well not me I won't tell but what they mean is I'm only going to tell three other people and those three people are going to tell three people and them three people are going to tell you that it's just good I need trust I need to know that I can rely on you well I need openness I need communication I need to be able to express my true feelings and not be fearful that you're going to turn on me and I need understanding understanding doesn't mean I agree with you 
It simply means that I'm trying to see things from your perspective. You need real relationships in your life. Right, write this down. Let me give you some key relationships that you need. Everybody needs family. Everybody needs family. Everybody needs companionship. You need people in your life that are committed to you. It may be a spouse or it just may be friends in your life that are committed. Everybody needs a confidant. What's that? That's that person that I can share my deepest, darkest secrets with. That's that person that I can share my fears, my dreams, my aspirations, and I've given them permission to correct me. I've given them permission to encourage me, to motivate me, to challenge me. Everybody needs mentors in their life. Everybody needs mentees in your life. You need these people in your life. Here's what we do, though. When a relationship breaks apart, we just tell ourselves, well, I didn't need that relationship anyway. I, I, I didn't have a relationship with my dad or my mom or, or my marriage fell apart or, or me and my siblings are at, at, at outs or whatever it may be. And because that relationship fell apart, we tell ourselves that I never needed that relationship anyway. I can make it on my own. Here's the problem. We're confusing that person with the role that they played. A person may be toxic. And a relationship with a toxic person, we'll talk about in like three weeks or so, how do I deal with difficult people? There are just certain people that they are too toxic for you to have a relationship with. But just because that person is too toxic for you to have a relationship with doesn't mean you don't still need that role in your life. Write this down. Each relationship is a piece of my foundation. It's not a matter of, that didn't work out, I didn't need them anyway, I'm going to go on about my business. No, no, no. Each relationship that God has ordained you to have is a piece of the foundation of the life that you're building. I don't know about y'all, but, but me and my wife, we've made it our mission through COVID-19 to keep Amazon uh, in business. We are doing our part to stimulate the economy. I don't know what in the world is going on, but I'm like on a first name basis through the glass every three minutes. They're delivering toilet paper and scotch tape. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's 50 cents. That's, that's $3. I could deal with that. But every other day they're delivering like a bunk bed for my daughter or what all this, my wife's on this furniture tip. And here's the problem with delivering furniture. It all needs assembling. Weren't the good old days when you go down to Value City and you pick which day they're going to deliver it to the house and they show up three hours late and they put mud on your carpet? I mean, if you work for Value City, God bless you. But all of it comes with the needed assembly now. And, and, and they got a bunk bed from my daughter Zoe. And, and some of y'all saw it on Instagram and PZ put up a little poll of how many people think he can actually assemble this. Guess what? 90% of the people said that I could not assemble the bunk bed. And if I did, it would take me 24 hours or more. So for all you people, May the fleas of a thousand camels be upon you. But uh, <laughs> I actually did it in two hours, uh, give or take a couple of breaks. But uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm assembling this bunk bed and it's almost done and, and I'm excited for her to see it. And Zai comes in and I just had to put the ladder on and I go to put the ladder on and there were no holes for me to put the ladder in. And I realized there was no holes because I assembled the top of the bunk bed And as I look at this backward bunk bed, I think to myself, how bad can this be? I mean, all she needs to do is be a ninja, and she can get up on this top bunk with her. Who really needs a ladder? She just needs to jump off of this chair here, swing off of these clothes here, and she can land on the top of the bed every single time. It's no biggie. I can assemble this bunk bed and not use all the pieces. No, I didn't do that. I sat there, and I deassembled. You know they don't give you directions. 
for de-assembling a bunk bed, but I had to break apart the entire top, flip it around and put, but here's what, I was careful to use all the pieces. Because y'all, my three-year-old is sleeping on that thing. The last thing I want is for her to wake me up in the middle of the night, because she fell down off of the bunk bed that daddy made and didn't use all the pieces. Here's the problem. Many of us are building lives, but we're not using all the pieces. And then we're confused when it comes crumbling down. Second Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. I love, it's called the passion translation. It says this, God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder. I don't know why Paul sounds like Liam Neeson from, from Taken Two. I have a particular set of skills, and I will find you, and I will kill you. That's not biblical. Yeah, but it was a great movie. Anyway, Paul said, God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. Here's what Paul said. He said, hey, I've laid a foundation. You have to build on top of it, but be mindful of the life that you're building. Build carefully because the way that you build is going to determine whether you maximize all that God has for you. If, you. if you've ever renovated a home or knocked down a wall or whatever it may be, you know in every state and in every county they have permits that are required for you to make any alteration on any structure that is built up. You have to try to take down the drywall and an inspector has to come and examine your work before you can close in the drywall. And, and I'll tell you, there's a temptation to kind of cheat. You know, and just add this onto the back of the house, knock down this wall, don't tell the county, don't, don't bring in an inspector. But here's the problem. When you don't have a permit, when you don't bring in the inspector to inspect your work, you run in danger of, honestly, death. Because if you don't put the right distance and the electrical wiring is done wrong or, or the structure is not the way it's supposed to be, it could start a fire, it can fall on somebody's head. Listen, building according to the regulations of the county actually could be a matter of life and death. Hear me, building your life according to regulations of God's word could be a matter of life and death. And part of the things that you need in your life are relationships to give you a Think about your life as a house. You can put the most amazing windows and furniture and cabinetry and, and countertops and all that. If that foundation is crooked, if the foundation is cracked, if the foundation is ungodly, that house is going to come down. And I'm telling you, your relationships are the foundation of all that you're building. What, what, what do those things create in my house? The, the, the first thing that you need is you need family. Here's what family creates. Family brings safety. Family brings confidence. Family is what establishes your moral compass. I, 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 was, I was just talking to Zai, and, and y'all, you know what I'm, I'm coming up on my 10th pastoral anniversary? 10 years, a decade, that's a long time. It's coming up in January. I was 23 when I was ordained, 24 when we launched Destiny Church. I was 24, I was single. Y'all, I was young. You know what's funny? I was skinny. I mean, now I got this whole dad bod, I'm all, you know, blubber and all this. Okay, that's a lie. But, like, <laughs> you're like, where, what are you looking at? Don't laugh, that's not funny. Anyway, I was young, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of people looked at me like 24 and single. I don't know if he can do this. This is probably beyond his maturity. And yes, God's grace was there. Yes, God's favor was there. But you know who else was there? 
my dad. <laughs> my dad who founded the church was right there on the front row every single Sunday. My mom was running children's ministry. My brother was the drummer. My other brother played guitar. My sister, uh, my older sister led worship. Zai actually said this because she started coming within the first weeks of the church. And she said when she first came to the church, she thought my older sister was my wife. Because she had this like first lady, how y'all doing type of personality. And what she doesn't know is my older sister is probably the most protective person on planet earth. You know how hard it is to get a date? Well, your sister is chasing away every, no, not, she's not, she ain't trifling little Jezebel, get her out of here. I had family around me, and watch this, it brought confidence. It brought security. You would not believe I would preach. I'm not saying I preach horrible messages, but I preach some pretty bad messages. And I walked out of that service, and my grandma would say, man, this is the best message I've ever heard in my life. I have never heard preaching that good in my life. To this day, grandma every week will call me and say, Stephen, I don't know where you get it from, the presence of God. I'm telling you, when you have family, there's a confidence that comes upon you. There's a security. Watch this. When I have family backing me, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. There's people that have already defined me. You need family. Second thing you need is you need companions. A companion, whether it's a spouse or whether it's those people that are just committed to you. Companions bring affection. Companions bring acceptance. Companions bring confidence, and they bring joy. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says a merry heart, joy, does like medicine. But it says sorrow shall rot the bones. Have y'all been watching this documentary, Last Dance, with, with Jordan and kind of just going through that whole trilogy? And if, if you haven't, it's just kind of all the way crazy. And it, it's kind of jumping into all the other lives of, of Steve Kerr and, and, and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. And they were doing this 30 for 30 with Dennis, Dennis Rodman. If you know Dennis Rodman, he, he, he just had a very storied kind of career and a whole lot of antics and all that off the court. And, and they were interviewing and they said, Dennis, a lot of the people around you they were using you. They, they were spending all of your money. They were, they were living off of you. It's like they were vultures. Didn't you know that they weren't real friends? Here's what Dennis said. He said, I knew that they didn't really love me. I knew that they were just using me for my money, that they were just sucking all the life out of me. But he said, I was willing to pay the price just to feel accepted. Just to feel like somebody actually, I knew it was fake, but even the feeling, even though it was fake, made me feel real. It's amazing what people will do for acceptance when they don't get it from the relationships that God intended them to be. You need confidants in your life. I am blessed to have some brothers around me that will encourage me, that will motivate me, and that will check me. That will call me and say, hey, you're not going to quit today. No, you're not going to make a stupid decision today. No, you're not going to have a bad attitude. You're going you're gonna to keep moving forward. Here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This season of COVID-19 that we're experiencing, we're seeing a major uptick, like I mentioned, in, in depression and alcoholism and all these different type of things. I was on a call with Dr. Henry Cloud, which is a spirit-filled believer and a, and a psychologist, and he said, here's where depression comes from. Depression doesn't come from experiencing trauma, because many people experience trauma and they don't walk out on the other side with depression. 
Depression comes from going through a loss, going through a trauma of some kind, and not having a place to properly process that trauma. It's because you don't have a place to process it, you internalize it, and and you take responsibility, or you say it's your fault, or whatever it may be, and before you know it, that trauma begins to rot away at your soul, and it steals your joy. Hear me, hear me, hear me. You need people in your life that you can just process life with. You you need family, you need companions, you need confidants, you need mentors. You know what happens when somebody has a mentor? They end up dumb. They end up making stupid mistakes. Here's what mentors bring. Mentors bring wisdom. They bring favor. They bring a window into the future. I I remember my my pastor. I I have many pastors. I I have a lot of issues, so I need a lot of pastors. But but, but my pastor is Pastor Chris Hodges, pastor of Church of the Highlands. And I remember the first time I had an encounter with him. He he invited me to his church with a bunch of other pastors. There's probably about 20 people in the room. I was 26 years old. I was the youngest person in the room, and I had the least amount of influence out of everybody in the room, and I I sat there for an entire day as he just poured wisdom into our lives, wisdom about marriage, about building a church and pastoring people and finances and all that, and I'll tell you this, my mind was blown because he was talking about things, he was answering questions that I wasn't even smart enough to ask. Halfway through, they said, do you have any questions? And I said, no, I don't got no questions. You're talking about stuff that I've never even heard of, never even, just keep talking. I came home with pages and pages and pages of notes, and I'm a little bit meticulous. I still have those notes. It took me three years, to, no exaggeration, three years to work my way through those notes. Here's what Pastor Chris did for me. He opened a window into a future that I never experienced. The last relationship you need in your life. You need family, you need companions, you need confidants, you need mentors, you need mentees. You don't just need people that are pouring into you, you need people that you're pouring into. Here's why, because when you pour into other people, you find fulfillment. When you pour into people, you find purpose. When you pour into people, you find legacy. Watch this, wealth only brings great joy in your life for a season. I'll get really specific. You know, so many of us were, were um, I'm trying to build my empire, man. I'm trying to build my wealth and have money and all this other kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with it. Go for it. I'm praying to God bless you and you tithe on it. But anyway, you have all this wealth, right? And from 30 to 60, you're enjoying this wealth. You're driving what you want to drive. We're living where you want to live, going on vacation or whatever it may be. But somewhere around 50 or 60, you start to see the finish line of life. And you realize that God has blessed you with more than you can spend in a lifetime. And you start looking around for who's going to carry this baton, who's going to take this on the next leg of this journey. And if all you were focused on was building and building and building, and you weren't focused on having anybody following you or pouring into anybody else, you're going to realize that you have nothing to carry on your legacy. And you're going to end up living all that you've built to somebody that's not going to value it because without a mentee, there's nobody to take the baton and to carry on the good work that God has begun in you. You're probably completely discouraged and depressed. Pastor, I don't know if this message was supposed to encourage me, but it's not very encouraging because my family's crazy. Uh, I don't have a companion. My confidants are, 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 are not confident people. <laughs> they tell all my secrets. I, I can't find a mentor to, to carry my, uh, and, and to open doors for me. I, I can't find a mentee. Uh, I got none of this, Pastor. Was the purpose of this to depress me? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. 
because I got to give you and get you in a position where you realize that you don't have all that you need so that I can set you up to find where you will find all that you need. Last thing is this, write this down. One missing piece makes it all crumble. I, I, I can have three out of the four, I can have four out of the four, but if I have one missing piece, if I'm missing a key piece, watch this, if you're missing a key piece, family won't work. If you're missing this key piece, marriage won't work. Friendships won't work. You won't find mentors, you won't find confidants, you, you won't find mentees. If you are missing the key piece to all relationships, you're going to find yourself isolated. And, and, and here's what frustrates me. When people don't see life going the way that they want it to go, they change the definition of success. Instead of saying, hey, this is not working out, how do I make it work out? They just listen to me, don't change the finish line. Don't, don't move the touchdown line just because it's not going the way that you wanted to go. Figure out how do I get it to the place where I could cross that finish line. It's what the woman at the well found herself in a position of. Remember the story in John chapter 4. This woman was looking for relationships everywhere. Here's what the Bible says in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Here's what she was saying. You're telling me that you have something that's going to keep me from having to search. They would say, looking for love in all the wrong places. You said you have something that's going to keep me from being thirsty. So Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. Here's what Jesus meant. It's good that you didn't lie to me because I already know your story. He said, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. This woman had five marriages, five marriages, and none of them worked out. She had just given up on the whole idea of marriage. Some of you are in that position. Like, been there, tried that, bought the T-shirt, not interested in going back. It just doesn't work out for me. She said, I just, I just need somebody to live with. I don't even need. And, and, and here's what God was saying. He said, you had five relationships, a sixth that's not working out, but it's because you were missing a key component. You were missing the living water. You were missing me. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, watch this, being the chief cornerstone. Say that with me. Say chief cornerstone. I forgot y'all back there. That's good. Say chief cornerstone. He said, here's all that you're building. You're building it on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Me and my wife, we were in Israel in 2017. We went to the Wailing Wall, the, the, the temple that was built that is still standing hundreds of years later, and they were explaining to us that there was one stone that was the first stone that was laid. It's literally the stone that they measured everything else of the structure on. They called it the cornerstone. And they said archaeologists and, and historians are baffled because the cornerstone that lays there weighs 500,000 pounds, over 250 tons, half a million pounds. 
And they said they cannot understand how, with the architecture and, and, and all the different machinery that they had back then, how they moved the stone into place. But they said that stone will be there for all of history because it is too massive and too large. It is the structure that is keeping the entire building erect hundreds of years later. Here's what the Bible says. It says that stone represents Jesus. That it's the first stone that's laid and it keeps everything else built. So watch this. If you build a marriage but Jesus is in the cornerstone, that marriage won't work. If you have friendships, if you're trying to raise children but Jesus is not the cornerstone of your parenting, your parenting's not gonna work. Friendships, mentors, men listen to this. Jesus said, well, I need you to have all these relationships but you have to start with me. Because when you start with me, family works, marriage works, friends work, but, but when I'm left out of it, it will come crumbling down. Psalm 68 verse 5 says this, that God is the, to the fatherless, he's a father. To the widow, he's a champion friend. To the lonely, he makes them part of a family. To the prisoner, he leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our holy God in his place. Here's what God is saying. Yes, you need family, you need companions, you need confidants, you need mentors. But before you can maximize those relationships, God says, let me be your family. Let me be your companion. Let me be your confidant. Let me be your mentor. God will never be your mentee. It only goes so far. <laughs> My relationship with God is what gives me the grace, the peace, the empathy, the integrity to build relationships in my life. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna teach you how to build family, and friends, and marriage, and mentors, and mentees, and all that. I wanna start with this. Where is your relationship with the chief cornerstone, Jesus himself? For some of you, it's your personal relationships that have messed up your relationship with God. Man, God says that he's my heavenly father. If he's anything like my earthly father, I can't trust him. If he's anything like my mother, he expects perfection from me. He says he's closer than a friend. If he's like my friends, he's going to stab me in the back. And because your earthly relationships haven't worked out, it's, it's put a skepticism in your relationship with God. But here's what God said. He said, come unto me, all ye who are, are burdened down by the fear and the stress and the anxiety of life. Because he said, doing life with me is easy. And my expectations of you are light. He says, I'm gentle of heart. Hear me, if you have a great dad, you know exactly what God is like. If your dad wasn't the best, you still know what God is like, different from that. If you found affirmation and encouragement and affection in your phone, in your family, hear me, God is that times a million. You say, man, I, I can't remember the last time I heard someone tell me I love you. Just know that God is the opposite of that. And he said, if you would lean into me, not for rules, but for relationships, I'll give you the security, the confidence, the affection that you need to build all these other key relationships in your life. Let me pray for you. 
Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that you didn't look at us and say it's not good for us to be alone and then leave us to fend for ourselves. You sent your son, you, 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 you sent Jesus here to die so that we could live, so that we can be made whole. And honestly, all of us have some work to do in our families, and our marriages, and our, our relationships. But God, we want to start with you. God, we want to know you like we've never known you before. God, we want to experience you like we've never experienced you before. Right where you're sitting. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just allow God to make this moment, to make this message personal to you. I just have one simple question. Do you have a relationship with God that is more real and more tangible than any other relationship you've ever experienced? Maybe you grew up in church and you thought it was all about obeying rules. Or maybe you've, you've never really encountered anything like this and you didn't even know that God had an, any desire to know you personally. You find yourself in a position saying, Pastor, I want God to be a part of my life. If that's you, it would be my greatest honor, the greatest privilege to introduce you to a God that's been waiting your whole life for this moment. And it starts with a simple invitation. If that's you right where you are, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not leaving me isolated. Thank you for coming to earth for dying on the cross, for forgiving me of my sins and my mistakes so that nothing can separate me from your love. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I give you access to all that I am. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen and amen.